Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, this is Kong Song with Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network place where you can get a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Uh, we're recording this on a Saturday night, fresh off of a tough loss um, from both squads against UNLV. So we'll get into that, about the similarities and just sort of some of the things that both teams should look out for heading into the final week of the regular season and into conference play or the conference tournament. So without further ado, here we go. So we're going to start off with the women who played at UNLV, uh, losing 67 to 72, puts them at seven and nine overall in conference play. Um, the ladies trailed the entire second half was able to pull within one with 39 seconds left takes the foul um, but they couldn't get a good shot towards the end of the game to try and get the lead uh, this was a tough game for the ladies if you look at it sort of statistically percentage wise free throw percent free throw percentage shooting percentage all that stuff seems very similar where you kind of see where they lost were giving up 18 rebounds and that led to 16 second chance points, giving up 10 turnovers and that led to 14 points off of turnovers. Um, they struggled from three. They were four for 12. Taylor was four for 12 overall and had a rare three turnover game. Despite the fact that four women were in double figures, um, it wasn't enough to overshadow or overcome the fact that they also got out rebounded 31 to 45. They got outscored off the bench 17 to 24. They got outscored points in the paint 28 to 46. It started off slow where they couldn't even score about halfway until the four, first quarter. And it would just seem like a tough outing overall. They also had a similar nine assists, 10 turnover game as a team, which sort of follows what we've been discussing here throughout the entire season. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to lose or I'm sorry, it's really hard to win if you're committing more turnovers than assists. It's sort of, you just kind of always at a disadvantage at that point, you know, it seems like you're playing. It's like when you're playing pickup basketball with a few talented players on your team, and you know that those two. Let's say there's just like two guys on the team, and those two guys, you know, can win any pickup game at any point in time. So you feel good about playing with them, but they sometimes get a little erratic. They sometimes um, 
won't pass for long stretches and they turn the ball over and they just sort of expect other people to pick up their slack. I played with plenty of those types of guys and I'm sure anybody that's listening can relate. And that's just sort of how it feels if you're always giving the ball up more than you're contributing to assists. So, you know, heading into the final week, you know, I know that this, I'm sure that this is a talking point with the coaching staff and they just have to really clean up the game a little bit and try to find ways to get easy buckets. And definitely when you look at a box score, assist is a clear indicator of that. Eerily enough, um, the men also had a very similar game in terms of the energy and in terms of where they lost. So the men lost 63 to 66. I think the last time they trade or the last, last lead they held was 14 to 13. In the first half, they trailed the entire way, cut it down. They were down 14 with 10 minutes left, 12 with 9 minutes left. And they just kind of kept chipping away and chipping away. And despite all of that, when I was watching the game, I just couldn't get a sense or the energy that they were going to really pull a comeback. There was a lot of easy miss buckets, layups being blown, floaters that came up short. Force threes, silly turnovers, silly fouls. It seemed like they were really relying on the refs, which by and large were not great this game. Missing a lot of calls from, um, to be fair, missing calls both ways. But it seemed like they were really relying on trying to draw fouls and trying to draw contact to get to the line and try to chip away at the game while stopping the clock. But a lot of these fouls that they were trying to really sell were kind of not fouls, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, a lot of these fouls, they would throw the hands up, and instead of trying to sort of, I guess, James Harden, who set the standard, you know, at least when Harden throws it up or throws his hands up and sort of flails his arms, either the ball stays close to him or it gets towards the rim. And there were a couple possessions by Matt Mitchell and Malachi, where it seemed like they made a little contact, they probably initiated the bump and threw their hands up in the air and the ball just sort of sailed out of bounds. And the risk with that, obviously, is if there's nothing that's called, it's automatic turnover. If you go towards the rim, if you, then you just don't know. I mean, Yanni, a rope, KJ, these guys can crash the offensive rebound, maybe try to bat it back out. You just never know. But there were far too many moments that I saw that sort of felt like they were relying more than just a bucket. They were relying on the whistle. They were relying on, you know, the crowd to try and encourage turnovers. They were relying on taking risks in terms of stealing the ball and which led to more fouls or taking charges or just felt like it wasn't the type of game that it just didn't feel like the inc- the ingredients were there to, to kind of stage the comeback, if that makes sense. Um, similar to the women, you know, tough night from 3, 8 to 27. Malachi finished with 24 points, 9 rebounds, and I think 6 assists, which was, you would think it was great, but it took him 19 shots to get there. He was also 44 of 13 from 3. Um, only four bench points, which was all a rope to UNLV's 26. You know, they both teams shot 13 and 19 from the free throw line, so that's a wash. 
it was a, a game of runs and a game of not runs, if that makes sense. So in the first half, UNLV was down 13 to 14, went on a 10-0 run, and SDSU only scored five points in the final five-ish minutes of the first half. Then in the second half, there was a stretch from about eight minutes to about five minutes left of game time, which includes media timeouts, dead balls, and etc., where both teams just couldn't get a bucket, missing layups, jumpers. And even though the Aztecs only gave up seven offensive rebounds, it, it just felt like each one just broke their back because it was, you know, and Yanni was just really struggling to box anybody out. And he ended up getting subbed out for a rope for the stretch run of the game. It, the energy just seemed a little frenetic. And the announcers on CBS Sports was also kind of mentioning um, just sort of the nature of the Aztec where they felt were just sort of razzled. And speaking of the announcers, there was like a funny moment late in the second half where I, I believe I think UNLV used like one of their last timeouts to get ready to, to kind of draw up a defensive strategy. And I forgot who his name was, but he mentioned he used the phrase uh, to describe the timeout as you don't want to be the richest man in, in the grave. And there's like a split second of silence. And so he, he doubled down and then he said that he at least, I see something to the effect of he at least doesn't want to go out that way. He'll be ready. He'll have no money left when he's, when he's all said and done. And there's just like this awkward pause where I think the the other announcer was just like, uh, I, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> they quickly tried to get out of that. Um, I just thought it was a really bizarre announcing moment. But, I mean, it is CBS Sports Network. I don't know how many people were watching, so it necessarily won't be so viral. So I guess, you know, you can get away with more stuff there. But nevertheless, um, they, were, they were doing great. You know, at this last part of the or the back half of the second half, they were holding UNLV to only six points in the final three minutes. And a lot of that was just sort of like trying to foul and get the ball back. So the defense really buckled down, but it just seemed like a case of too little too late for the team. And it sucked. I mean, it really sucked to watch these guys lose at home to UNLV, who's playing 500 ball this this season. Um, I mean, this likely means that they're not going to be number four anymore. I mean, Dayton is hot, and Dayton's undefeated at number five in conference play. So they'll probably jump them. You know, even though Baylor lost to Kansas, that's a 1-3 matchup. So they'll probably swap. And depending on what happens to Gonzaga tonight against BYU, you know, assuming that Gonzaga will hold, they'll probably move up to number one. So, you know, the, the allure or the dream of an undefeated season is over, but... It's not to be, the the season isn't like done for, if that makes sense. I mean, we're still going to be a high seed. We're guaranteed regular season title. We still have the conference tournament to really help uh, mold the selections, uh, selection committee's minds 
And there's still an off chance that we could still be a one seed, which would be great and historic for the school. And who cares if it's in the East, Eastern uh, bracket? I mean, I, I want to be able to say that we were number one in a conference tournament. But there's a lot of things to definitely clean up. They really have to box out a lot better. They really have to find ways to get shots. A lot of it was just sort of sitting around, uh, not being ready to, to shoot the jumpers when they were you know, being passed the ball. There were a couple of times where I think guys like Shackle and KJ, even Malachi or Matt would get the ball and just sort of hold it for a couple of seconds. And when the defense is scrambling and you're passing the ball around, that's only going to help the defense. You have to continue to, you know, get clean passes, but also be able to make moves and try to pass the ball around and try to keep the defense scrambling. And that's really how you get into um, more favorable scenario. So it's a tough loss. It sucks to have that blemish. I mean, it would have been cool to be undefeated, but you know, these guys fought back and they didn't quit. They didn't let a 14 point lead with 10 minutes left unravel into a double digit loss. They fought hard. And even the last second half court heave by Matt at the buzzer felt like it was going to go in. Um, so I don't know. What can you say? It's, it's good if, if for me as a believer of like sort of sports karma, sports momentum, I'm glad that some heartbreaking loss happens now and they can f- kind of call out sort of their, um, areas to improve before the regular season ends, before the conference tournament ends. If they lose another game, that's fine. They're guaranteed a spot in March Madness. So, these next few games, they have really have a chance to sort of build the momentum back up again and try to just get hot at the right time heading into March Madness. I would be definitely more nervous if we remained undefeated because you just, you just, you just got to go through some adversity before you really find that second wind. So tough loss, but I'm glad that they went through it and um, there's just two games left. We'll see what happens in in Vegas for the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and then we'll see what happens with Selection Sunday. Um, But if you like the show, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're available wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, If you feel like reaching out to us, please contact us at Believe.com. That's also a place for advertising, and you can reach us at Believe Podcasts. Um, I'm Kongsan at N-A-S-G-N-A-K on Instagram. And until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.